want to share just for a few minutes this morning in continuation with, with what I was sharing last week. We're not in a series. I'm just kind of sharing some things out of my heart this week and last week. But before we do that, I want to let you know that I'm grateful for your giving. I know that Pastor Mo talked about our giving and our offerings and the seed that goes around the world. But I wanted you to know that today on your way out, you're going to receive a copy of our 2022 generosity report. And this is a booklet. It's a, I would call it an investor's report. This is showing you what we did with the money that you sowed. And I want to tell you, we sowed over $615,000 together uh, um, last year. And, and I'll say this, whether you sowed a penny or whether you sowed 100000 man, every bit of it matters. And every bit of it matters. We say it this way, together we're making a huge difference. Uh, our finance team, Ms. Marcy, and, and our graphics team, they put together this amazing booklet. And I won't take a lot of time, maybe in the few weeks ahead I will, but today on your way out, take it home and look at it. And I pray that it inspires you uh, to know that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, Steph and I and, and, and our family, we've endeavored always to be generous um, and, and not the, for the sake of us, but we, we, we just know that's who we are. And when I look at this report, I'm, I'm even more pumped. Like, wait a second, there's, there's, there's more people like us that have that same heart to give. And that money is literally going around the world today. And so I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And check that out as, as you go this week. I'm reading out of Luke chapter 5 for the next 31 minutes and 11 seconds. Last week we talked a little bit about vessels, wine vessels, and we talked about the new wine that's going to be poured out. I won't spend a lot of time recapping that. If you're interested, you can go back and get the service uh, online. It's on YouTube or on our podcast. But I do want to read in Luke chapter 5. I'll start in verse 33. It says, Jesus' critics questioned him. They said, John the prophet's known for leading his disciples to frequently fast and pray. And as the religious leaders of the land, we're doing the same why do you and your disciples spend most of your time feasting and at banquets? I'm sure that made Jesus happy. He replied, should you make the sons of the bridal chamber fast while they're celebrating the bridegroom? But when the bridegroom's taken away from you, then you will see them fasting. He gave them an illustration. He said, no one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old one, for an old worn out one. If you tear up the new to make a patch for the old, it will not match the old garment. And who pours new wine into an old wineskin? For if someone did, the old wineskin would burst and then new wine would be lost. For new wine, everybody say new wine, must always be poured into new, everybody say new, new wineskins. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the thing that I bring. Jesus is, is, is counteracting what John's disciples were accusing him of. And if you go back and look at the verses above where we started, probably like in 28, 29, they're, they're saying, man, you, John was totally different than you. And, 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 and you're hanging out with riffraff. At that time, he had just called Matthew the tax collector. And in the verses before, it says, why are you having dinner with those kind of people? I wonder if we would be considered those kind of people. Honestly, we would have been because at this time, they only believed that the message was for the Jews. 
And it wasn't until later that we'd find out, no, the gospel's for everybody. Jew, Gentile, Greek, it don't matter what color you are, where you came for, Jesus came for one and all. It's a good place to shout amen. He came for everybody. And Jesus is saying, you're, you're trying to view me as John. I'm not John. You're trying to view me and what I'm doing through the old religious systems that you guys have set up, and you're too stupid to even recognize the Messiah's present. The new wine is here. My question is, will you be able to contain it? Are you open to receiving it? Can you fathom it? We don't get the tone in the scripture. You ever send somebody a text and you're trying to tell them something with some emphasis and they're just not getting it? And then you switch to all caps? Sometimes the tone doesn't translate through the text. Or what about someone that starts with all caps when they text you? And you get it and it's like 5.30 in the morning. Why are you yelling at me already in the morning? Sometimes the tone is lost. But I guarantee you this. Jesus was not happy at how they were trying to box him in and label him. He was saying, man, you guys are going to have to get your old mindset straight. Your way of doing things if you're going to receive what I'm trying to do in the new season. I was... Reminiscing earlier this morning with our first service crowd, and I was telling them about a story in 2008, 2009. I was taking a group of teenagers. I lived in Southern California. I was in the Temecula Valley. We were down in the desert, and we would take the kids up to Big Bear Mountain, uh, which is a very cool area, and we would do winter camp up there. And we had done this winter camp three years in a row with other churches, with like faith, and We'd, we'd bond together, you know, split the expense of renting the place. And, man, three years, we had built some momentum, like momentum, momentum. And there was hundreds and hundreds of kids coming. And I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm driving the church van. And the pastor's son sitting shotgun next to me. And I said, hey, Caleb, I said, are you pumped about winter camp? And he said, not really. And I was like, don't say that too loud, man. You're the pastor's kid. Everybody in the back's listening to you. I said, you're not excited about camp? He said, no. He said, I'm not really excited. I said, seriously? Like this is one of the big events we do every year. And he said, he said, if it's okay, Pastor Josh, I'll just tell you. He said, it's predictable. Well, that's not what I said. My, 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 I just got nervous inside. Wait a second. This is the pastor's kid. He's telling me it's predictable? I got nervous. I said, well, what? What do you mean? He said, well, he said, so easy. He said, it'll be the same as it was last year. I said, no, it's a new year. He said, new calendar year, same agenda. Sometimes you want to find out how good a job you're doing, ask your students, ask your children. I, I, I was baffled and I said, wait a second, wait a second. You're saying it's the same as last year? It's predictable? He said, of course, man, can't you see it? And again, I'm like, I'm, did I get old over the last two years? Like, I thought we were having a great time at camp. I'm excited. He said, he said, so easy, Pastor Josh. He said, tonight, man, everybody's going to be flooded in the auditorium. There's going to be such momentum. There's going to be such energy. And then one of the pastors is going to get up. He's going to preach a powerful message. But it's all going to be about conviction. And he's like, and you guys are going to press it in. Like, you need to get your, you know, get your lives right before you leave the mountaintop. He said, there's going to be a lot of pressure. He's like, and then the altar's going to be filled, and he's like, man, it's going to be a lot of tears and snot flying. He said, I'm not saying it's not a move of God. He said, but it's just predictable. I said, go on. 
He said night two. He said, you guys are going to have a bunch of hype, and you're going to give a bunch of stuff away, and, and you're going to celebrate what happened the night before. And, and he, said, he said, again, we're going we're gonna to go, and then we're going to go back to our rooms. We're going to go to bed, and then we're going to prank each other in the dorms. I said, okay. He said, night three is the worst. I said, well, it's the worst. He said, yeah, because he said, you guys are going to drag the service out forever and ever. You been to that camp? You been to that church, that conference? He said, you guys are going to get up there and preach, and you're going to tell the worship team, come on, let's sing it again. And then you're going to yell at us, come on, call down the fire. He said, you're going to get like this kind of response, and you're going to get even louder. Come on, young people, let's go. He's like, and there will be some that come. He said, but you won't stop. He said, you guys will take this on, and it'll go to 10 or 11 o'clock. Because that's what y'all want to happen. He said, let me ask you this. Is that what God wants to happen? I never went back to that camp again. I didn't. I told him on the way home that night because one, two, three nights in a row was exactly as he predicted. And I told the students, I said, hey, I promise I'll never do that to you again. Forgive me for putting you in that environment where, where you're berated because you're not pulling on the Lord enough. I said, here's what you need to know. The Lord's in that room whether you feel him or not. The Lord's in that room whether anybody swings from the chandeliers or not. The Lord is in that room, Caleb, and he'll do whatever even if he's put in a box. You can't put him in a box. You can't put him in a box. He's, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than a set list, a sermon, a clock. He just is. And he said, then why do you guys keep doing that to us? That next year, I prayed, and, Lord, what do you want us to do? Because we normally do winter camp in Southern California, so it's not really winter time. And he said, take him to the desert. And so I prayed, and I was like, well, let's take him to the desert. And so I did. I took, I don't know, 30, 40 young people. We loaded them up in vans. And that year, we went to Joshua Tree National Park, one of my favorite places on the planet, by the way. And we, we drove there, and we camped out. We set up tents, we cooked food, and in the morning we got up, and I just gave them all a little book, and I said, hey, here's a little devotional. I'd like you to find some place on the campsite, in the rocks, I don't care, and just go spend about 30 minutes with the Lord by yourself. I, I wrote out a devotional. You could take some notes, you could pray, and, and let the Lord speak to you, and we'll have breakfast at 9 o'clock, and so the kids scattered through the campgrounds and came back, and we had breakfast, and we had a little service with just one little acoustic guitar, and the kids all leaned in. And that afternoon, we went hiking and climbing and fooling around in the, in, the, in the park there and had a blast that night. We came back, we had dinner, and then we just had a campfire, and we just sat around, and, and I shared a message without screaming. Kind of. <laughs> and then I asked the kids, what's the Lord speaking to you? And they began to share, and we began to talk, and it was like, man, something shifted just in that one thing. And the next morning we got up and we had the same thing. We did our morning routine where we gave them a devotional and told them to go pray and talk to God and worship on their own. And then we'll gather together and we worshiped that next morning. And man, it was like there was momentum. Like the kids were hungry because God was speaking to them on their own. And that night we waited until it was dark and we, we, we decided to climb Mount Ryan. Mount Ryan sits 3,000 feet in the middle of Joshua Tree National Park. And when you climb Mount Ryan, you have a 360-degree view of the whole park. And I said, hey, let's just have a prayer walk up. 
And, and, and we'll walk up as the sun's going down, and then we'll hang out at the top, Pastor Tom, and we'll watch the sun go down, and the moon's going to rise, and then we'll have a worship service on the mountaintop. It was pretty cool. And we got up there, and there's kids worshiping, and there was kids loving the Lord and hearing God. And, and when we climbed down, it was almost like, like we had a mountaintop experience, except we didn't design it. He did. All he was looking for was hungry people, not a routine, not a set method. I kid you not, that weekend was probably one of the greatest weekends in youth ministry that I've ever had, and I got some great ones to tell you, but here's what it was, is we just threw away the packaging and said, hey, we're still going to gather, but whatever you want to do, we're open to it. And that's what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me for my life, for my family, for our staff, for our elders, and for our church as a whole. Don't put me in a box any longer. Because there may be some things that I'm thinking about that you're not. There may be some things that I want to do that won't happen in the format, in the formula. And I believe that's what Jesus was trying to explain to John's disciples. John was great, man. Miracle worker. It was awesome. But here's the thing. That season's over. John's in jail. I'm here. What he prophesied in flesh and blood. Stop giving me grief about it. Let's get on with it. And I feel like that's the season we find ourselves is a, is a church anticipating what God wants to do this year, not lamenting what happened last year. So how do we change this? We, we get newness of minds. We get change in our hearts, freshness in our spirits, newness in our souls, in our physical bodies. And then it requires something of us as the vessels. What does it require? It requires the ability to move and breathe and flex and expand. When they would pour wine into an old vessel, it would expand and it would give off gases as it was fermenting. That was it was being prepared for what it was intended for. And the Lord's asking us again, will you flex? Will you expand so that you don't crack? And what I want to pour out on your life spilled all over the place and missed for those that it actually belongs to. So what's it require? Fresh perspective, expansion in our prayers, expansion in our reach, expansion in our giving and making room for the next generation. Joel chapter 2. You want to just hang out for a minute? Joel chapter 2, it says, It will come to pass after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men, they're going to dream dreams. And your young men, they're going to see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. What are we, what are we preparing for? What, what are we talking about when we talk about preparing our vessels? What was Jesus talking about when he was talking about the old wineskin? He was talking about you and I being prepared to receive not only him, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would come after he's gone. The one who that would fill us so that we could fill others. And so he's saying, prepare yourselves for the outpouring that's coming. What does an outpouring look like? What, is it, what does it sound like and who's going to be a part of it? Isaiah 44 says, for, for I will, that's the Lord, I will. Everybody say, I will. Say, He will. Well, pour out water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. For I will, there it is again, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
That's me. That's you. This is a promise to us. This is us as his people. Go on. It says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Blessed Blessed what? I like to say I'm blessed to be a blessing. So many people come to church because they want to be blessed. You were already blessed. I just need another blessing. Receive the one that you were given with Christ Jesus. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you've been blessed. The Bible says you're blessed coming, you're blessed going. When I'm entering, when I'm exiting, when I'm making a right turn, when I make a, the blessing is on me. Is the blessing on you? But he says here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled for who? For me. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. That's how a lot of people have perspective. And so what they'll say is, well, the reason I don't worship the way I I got enough. I'm good right here. And what I'm trying to say to you is, you're not worshiping for you. You're worshiping for those people during the week who are going to need you to fill them up with. I'm not really into that prayer thing. I just pray a little bit. That's okay. Pray enough to fill yourself that when you show up in a situation that's dire, there's enough prayer built up in you that you can overflow on somebody else. Get so stirred because you're hungry. And again, maybe hungry for yourself. That's okay. But the ultimate goal is that you'd be hungry enough to be filled that you would pour it out. If it's been poured on us, our responsibility is to pour it out on those around us, those who hunger and thirst for right standing with God shall be filled. So the truth is an outpouring for anybody that's hungry. It's, it's, it's available to anybody that's willing, anybody that's thirsty. I want to take the next few minutes and talk about the precursors to an outpouring of God. Because I feel like we're on the brink of the next move of God in our church in our lives personally, but I, I feel like there's, there's this momentum that is picked up and we're kind of on this teetering point. You could call it where there's just, just this linchpin that's missing and it's the Holy Spirit that when we yield to him, man, he's gonna tip this thing over and we're gonna see God do things that we've only prayed about. So what's a precursor to an outpouring? Is there a responsibility on our behalf or does God just show up wherever he wants to? I wanna tell you this, God shows up where he's invited. God shows up where he feels welcome. Can he kick the doors in? Absolutely. He's fully capable. Does he want to do that? That's not his heart. The Bible says he's a gentleman. He goes where people welcome him. So the first precursor to revival, outpouring, whatever you want to call it, put your own label on it, is it's the spirit of prayer comes upon his people. Anytime you read in scripture before God poured out his spirit, there was a group of people that were stirred to pray. They were stirred to pray. They were gathered to pray because in their innermost beings, which were connected to the uttermost being, there's a stirring saying, we got something's coming. Something's coming. Something's coming. Wait a second. If something's coming, then I got to be a part of it. I got to pray that part out. If you're new to IFC, we believe in the power of prayer. We are a house of prayer. We're not ashamed to pray. We're not ashamed to pray in English. We're not ashamed to pray in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the full gifts of the Spirit here at International Family Church. They are gifts that are given to the believers. I'll just say this to you this way. They did not stop with the apostles. 
they are still flowing today if you are willing and ready to receive them. But prayer always precedes a move of God. In Acts chapter 2, we find the disciples hanging out in the upper room. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. What were they doing up there? Eating pizza. Krispy Kreme donuts. No, 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 no. They weren't, they weren't there eating. They weren't feasting. They were instructed by the Lord after he ascended out of their midst. He said, go and wait. Get together and pray. Verse 2 says, suddenly a sound like a blowing, a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Listen to this. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest upon each of them. Verse 4, I love this. Some of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. A few of the key anointed ones were filled with the Holy Spirit. and be- They were all, everybody say all. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not a few, all of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You can continue reading in your own daily prayer time or whatever time you have with the Lord during the week. But read the next couple of chapters because here's what happened. They not only prayed that God would show up and bring the promise... He showed up and filled them and the result of that was they flooded into the streets and began to lay hands on people and see miracles happen and they began to see the miraculous, the things that they had prayed about started happening and it caused so much confusion that people were gathering and Peter had to calm them down. People were accusing them, just a bunch of drunk dudes. That's what this is, a crazy party at 9 a.m. in the morning. Those Jesus people, they're loaded. He said, we're not loaded like you think we are. You're talking about old wine. This is fresh new wine. This is what he's wanting to pour out upon his people. And his Bible says he began to preach in 3,000 people that service. Not that month, not that year. That one time, 3,000 people responded and said, I want that. Oh, I'm hungry for that. I want right standing with God. I don't want to miss it. And if there's an outpouring, guess what? I want to be a part of it. The first precursor to an outpouring is a move of God in prayer. Listen to this out of James 5. Love this out of the Passion. He says, the prayer of a person living right. Are you living right? The prayer of a person living right with God, it's something powerful to be reckoned with. He says Elijah's a perfect example. I mean, he was a human just like us. He prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain, not a drop for three and a half years. But then there came a time where he was impressed, urged by the Spirit to pray that it would rain, and guess what? It did. And the showers came, and everything started growing again. God's going to pour out His Spirit. There's going to be a group of people that are feeling the pressure on the inside of our spirits to say, better start praying, better start gathering. Something's coming, rain's coming, rain's coming, miracles are coming, marriages are getting ready to be restored, finances are getting ready to be restored. Listen to me, relationships are getting to be restored, but it's gonna take a group of people that are willing to say, hey, we'll be the prayer force behind it. Look no further, count IFCN. The second thing that I see in scripture and Looking through different revivals and moves of God over the last hundred years, there's always an increase in His people to worship Him at a greater level. 
Starts with prayer, but one thing goes from prayer to, to all of a sudden, man, we're praying, 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 and all of a sudden we get our eyes off of us, and we begin to get our eyes on Him, and we realize He's greater than us, and all of a sudden it makes us posture our hands and our hearts and say, whatever you want from us, we're in. Before God moves, it shows up in a power of prayer, but then it results in a move of worship where He shows up. Because people's hearts are surrendered to him saying, oh my goodness, I can't come here and just thank you for what you've done. I just want to thank you for who you are. A few years ago down south, there was a movement, these stickers, somebody created these stickers and you put them on your car, your lunchbox or your laptop. And it said, he is greater than I. It was a he, the greater symbol than I. And you'd see him all over the places. And I was like, what is that? He is great. He, he, I, I didn't know what it meant. Someone said, he is greater than I. And I was like, yeah, dummy, that's so smart. You know what happens between before and outpouring of God? The church wakes up and realizes his plans are greater than ours. <laughs> his ideas are better than ours. His strategies are better than ours. His influence is greater than ours. His power is greater than ours. And so what happens, we go from prayer posture to worship posture saying, whatever you want to do in this place, man, you're welcome here. Think about the Asbury thing that just happened. It's been going on. It didn't start with a, hey, we're going to have a revival. It started with a group of students that let's just stay and pray a little bit longer. And then that prayer service turned into a worship service. And then guess what? People heard about it and said, we want to come. I'm so pumped about what God's doing in America right now. On our campuses with our young people. Because here's what's happening. He's stirring young people. In the next generation, not only to pray and invite him into their lives, but it's turned into a posture of worship. But then from the posture of worship, they've gotten up and said, hey, let's go do something. Let's go do something. The third element that always precursors a move of God is an increase in the desire to go. A desire to impact humanity with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We call it evangelism. If we're praying for God to show up and pour out His Spirit, it's going to posture us in this place of we got to worship Him because He's getting ready to send us somewhere. Man, and I love this, and this is another indication of just in my heart, like it seems like God's doing something in our house, in this church, because just in the last few months, man, it seems like we got people coming and going, and there's more that are wanting to meet and say, hey, something's on me. i got to go to the mission field. Hey, I want to start this nonprofit. Hey, i got something in, in prayer. i got something during worship, and i just got to go, Pastor. Will you help me? I'm like, that sounds like revival starting to me, because that's not normal. I said, it's not normal. Normality is I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to step back. I just want to come to church and let God pour it out on me. But here's the thing. Through prayer, through worship, when God moves, he shows you he's greater than you, but he still needs you, and he needs you to go. I'm so excited about the season. I see JC here this morning. Just came back from Chad, Africa last week. Where he spent the last several weeks, but this has been ongoing for the last several years where he's been compelled to go reach unengaged people groups. 
putting his life on the line because he's so prayed up and so ready to go that he's compelled to get on this little puddle jumper and land out in the middle of the desert where nobody's wanting to go. I said, why are you going? He said, if I don't go, who's going to go? And I said, then we'll send you. This morning, one of our young adults, Josie, she's ministering in Honduras. Because she postured herself this last year in a position of prayer and worship and through a move of uh, a connection with the Lord, she signed up to go on one of our short-term trips and came home and said, I got to go back right now. And I said, well, you're emotional right now. We all are. Anytime you go on a, na- on a mission trip, you come home, man, you're high as a kite. Like, I got to do it. I'm ready to change the world. She came home and she said, 90 days later, she said, that same fire is still in me. Will you help me get back? In two weeks, we're going to send my friend Barbara to India, a young lady in this church, single, raising money. She just said, I'm just supposed to go. I don't want another year to pass without me going to the mission field. And so in two weeks, we're going to lay hands on her, and we're going to pray her out, and we're going to send her to India for four months. What is that? It's an urgency by the Spirit of God saying, you can't stay here any longer and just be a consumer. It's people saying, I don't want to just be filled. I want to be filled so I can fill others. We've got two teams leaving this summer. We've got a team going to Honduras, and we've got a a team going to the the Dominican Republic. I got tongue-tied. I saw my Dominican friends over here. I don't know if that was supposed to be like tongues or something. Say, why are all these trips happening? Why are all these people coming and going? I don't know. It just seems like they've been filled to the point where they're tired of being content in their own walk with the Lord. And they're saying, Lord, if you want somebody to go, you can count on me. The prayer of the church for me, the prayer of this house for me, is that we all have that aspect. Whether you're going to Chad or whether you're going to work, on Monday morning that it would be that we've placed ourselves within a move of God to fill us up, that we could be poured out as his offering to those around us. What is all of it focused to? When I think about revival and I think about meetings that last forever and all those things that we've seen in the past, I think the real goal of it, a lot of them get mistrued, but if I could be honest with you, I think God's heart is that people would be saved and that people would be saved and that a few others might hear the gospel and be saved. And that more people would be saved. And that we'd be drawn together and understand that our prayer and our worship and our sending has a purpose, and that is that somebody might be saved. It's that somebody might be saved. What's the purpose of revival so that somebody that's dead can get life? Or maybe somebody that had life can be revived. There's many ways that the Lord pours himself out. Miracles, signs, wonders, I believe in all that. But I believe the purpose of a miracle for an unbeliever is not just to get healed. It's so that they would meet the healer. Then when he restores your broken marriage... That it wouldn't just be about your marriage. It would be about a testimony of, he's greater than us. We've been doing this for 10 years. We suck at it. But all of a sudden, like, wait a second, something's something's different. My heart has shifted. My spouse's heart has shifted. Like, wait a second. It's like God's working in us. And then that becomes a testimony to those around you that knew you used to fight like cats and dogs. What is it, God getting the glory? That some would be saved. 
close with this. I was reading this week, and I was reading about revival and seasons of reformation, and I came across this statement, and I'll read it to you. He said, revival and reformation do not begin with groups, but with individuals. Scripture reveals again and again that a leader begins by making a personal commitment, issuing a call, and then inviting individuals to follow. Then as, a, then as more take up the refrain, it swells into a movement. How, how, do you, how do you manage a move of God? You just manage it for yourself. Where am I supposed to be right now? What's my prayer supposed to be? What's my posture supposed to be? And where is he sending me? And if we do that as individuals, you'll look around and you'll find other individuals that are doing the same thing and have made the same commitment, which actually it makes it easier for you to walk it out. And when we come together, our private prayer time, our corporate worship, and our individual evangelism seems so much greater when I look around and be like, man, I'm in a room full of prayers just like me. And I'm in a room full of worshipers just like me. And because of that, I know he's here. And I know he's going to give us an assignment. So what's an assignment about? Whatever he wants us to do. Well, what's he want us to do? I don't know yet. I have some glimpses of it in my heart, but I can tell you this. It smells like harvest. It smells like souls. It smells like people with broken marriages. It looks like people who are hopeless. It feels like people coming to the light that have been wandering out in the lost. For me, I'm just saying for me, I don't know what it is for you, but when I think about what God wants to do in, in my life and in this church, every bit of it reeks of harvest. The lost being saved. Our kids being changed. And it's starting with each and every one of us. So here's my ask. Would you join us as we pursue his presence? Would you continue to come faithfully and just open up your heart each week? As you can look around, man, the services are becoming more and more full, second service. The last few weeks, we've had to shut down kids' classrooms because there's so many new families coming. I'd ask you not only to come, but be faithful, but make room for those that are coming because they're hungry. Number two, I'd ask you to be here regularly. We've done some surveys with our staff here. The average person attends IFC twice a month. The average person, maybe you're above average. But I'm just asking you, would you revisit your commitment to the Lord and the commitment of you being in God's house, not for you again, but for what he wants to do through you? Second thing I would ask is, would you bring somebody? Anytime that there's something that's stirring or something I'm excited about, I like to talk about it. I like to take the people to those restaurants that I like. I like to have coffee at a place where someone's never been there and be like, this is the best cup of coffee you ever had. It's no different with my walk with the Lord. And as I invite our friends and our family, that, that I want to extend this to you, that, man, you don't have to make an excuse for what might happen. God's going to show up and the Lord's going to use them. And a young lady messaged me in the first service. She used to come to church. She's a part of this house, and she messaged me. She said, thank you so much for ministering the way you do. She said, I've stopped coming to church because I, I realized that, that the relationship I'm in may not be cool with everybody, but I just want to thank you for preaching the word, and, and, and I love you, Pastor Josh. And I said, you don't ever need to be ashamed of walking in those doors. Everybody's welcome here. God's spirit is no respecter of persons. He said he poured it out on all flesh. 
So don't let the enemy tell you online that people won't accept you here because of your lifestyle or your choices. Man, you're welcome here. We want you. I'd rather you in the move of God than observing it from outside. And for us that are strong in the faith, I would ask that you continue to invest in this house, not just with your finances. That's one piece of it. Forget I even said that. I'm asking, would you come and worship with us? Would you come bring your prayer supply? Because when we show up hungry and thirsty, those that are just coming and checking it out, they're the ones that the blessing gets poured out on. If you committed to a small group in the season, go. Be active. Don't be like, oh, it's just a small group. I don't have to go this week. Man, go. God's moving in our small groups. We're having revival happen in groups of six and eight people working and meeting throughout the city. Let me say it this way. Don't you put what God can do in a box. Well, it's just a small group. No, it's just a group of people who have decided to come together and promote him and invite him into that group. Your miracle by me in a group. Go. Get in there. Hook up. And lastly, would you commit to serve with us? As we expand and as we grow, there's always opportunity for your gift to be used in this house. So pumped about our, what's happening with our kids' team. Uh, we, 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 we could use you. I'll just say it that way. I'm not going to beg you or twist your arm, but we could use you. Last two weeks, we've had to shut down the preschool because we don't have enough workers to handle the children, and that ought not be in a house like ours. So if you're not serving, come. We've got a place for you. In just a few weeks, I'll be talking to you a little bit more about our special needs room. Man, we moved our media team out of the room. We kicked them out. I kicked paid staff out of their offices so we could create room for the lost. Listen to me. We're going to make room in whatever capacity. If it comes down to parking spaces, we'll rip out all the staff parking spaces. I can park in the back, man. I want people that want to be here up front. I don't care about that junk. We say that we're making room physically in our building. We're making room in our budget to do more. What I'm asking, would you make room in your vessel to be a part of what God wants to do in stewarding this next move of God. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Lord, I thank you for this amazing church, these amazing people. Lord, I'm grateful for their commitment to to you. Not to me, to you. I'm grateful for people that are connected to this house because you're here in this place. I'm grateful, Lord. We're steward this well. You can count on us. You can trust us with it. Whatever you want to pour out, whatever it looks like, we're going to follow your leading, we're going to follow your guide, and we're going to do everything you tell us to do. Before we close, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, you've never invited him to be a voice in your life or better yet, a Lord over your life, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Everything that we do at this church Monday through Saturday leads up to this moment right here for me, and that is somebody receiving Christ and being saved. Saved from what? Anything that would hold you back from your best? Anything that would keep you from fulfilling his plan for your life? Oh, and by the way, he has a plan for your life. It's awesome. The confusion you've been living in, that's not his best for you. His desire is that you live in peace and clarity and in harmony with him and with others. If you're here today and you say, man, I need Jesus. I want to pray for you. Would you just, with boldness, would you just raise your hand and wave it at me? No matter where you're sitting, I'll tell him, I see you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Just wave your hand at me and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I see you. Yes, sir. Some of you say, man, I've been coming week after week after week, but today's my day. I feel Jesus. I need him. He's pulling me. Just wave your hand at me. I just want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Awesome. I see you right here down front. Yes, I got you, buddy, right over here. Yes, my friend. 
Anybody else want to join these brave individuals and say, today's my day. I don't want to go back to work tomorrow without Jesus. I don't want to go back. I see you. Yes, ma'am. I got you. I don't want to go back to school this week with the same feeling. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Got you. All the way in the back over here. Man, if you're online and you're watching us, we're talk- I'm talking to you too. Let our team know. There's a whole team of prayer people right there online with you. In the chat box, just type, somebody pray with me. I need that Jesus. Anybody else want to join these brave individuals? Say, Pastor, pray for me today. Yes, ma'am, I got you. Yes, ma'am. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I simply want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. One more time, I look across the auditorium from the left side to the right. Say, pray for me, Pastor. Would you look at me? Everybody lift your heads up and your eyes open. We, we say this all the time. We're a family church. I'm going to just treat you like family. We're going to pray with you together. Some of us have prayed this before. Some of us, it's been a long time since we've committed our life to the Lord, but we want to pray with you today. So whether you raised your hand or whether you were too insecure, I'm okay with that too. Just pray it right where you are. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe. I believe in Jesus, your Son. I believe he was the Messiah. I believe he is the Messiah. And you sent him to this earth to lead me, to give me an example. But ultimately, he came to die. He came to pay a price for my sins that I could be reconnected with you. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the grave and has now enabled me to live a resurrected life, a revived life with you as my Lord, with you as my Father. Today, I choose Jesus to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer? Come on, give them a shout.